What's going on, guys? My name is David Gibson. I am the host and founder of this podcast, SIDcast, a podcasting resource dedicated to timely stories and sharing the experiences of the sports information and athletic communications profession. So we do have Zach Durlum today, believe it or not, when um, back way back in episode one, I was talking with Tyler Jester of uh, who would be good to have on, and he actually mentioned Zach's name way back in the day. That was when Zach first got to Florida. Um, I told Zach about this when we were recording, and he said, yeah, back then probably wouldn't have been the best time to talk to him, but uh, nonetheless, we have him on now. Called his name when he was named uh, the Outdoor Track and Field by Excellence in Communication Award by the USTF CCCA. Uh and that's something that I've always strived to go for, and I like talking to people that have won that award. Uh, Sean Medeiros is one of them, and now we have Zach Durlam as another. So uh, glad we have these people on, and glad that you guys can benefit from these stories, these individuals, these advices uh, that they give. Um, and uh, yeah, let's get right into it. But first, I kind of want to mention and point out to you guys that uh, starting next week, we will be promoting our week, or not week, year two event. And this is an annual event that will happen um, every year from here on out, ever since I do SID cast, basically. Uh, we'll do that every year. Um, you need to be on the newsletter subscriber list to be a part of it. And uh, you can do that by going to sidcast.fireside.fm slash newsletter. And any of those individuals who are on the newsletter list right now, any of those who will be on the newsletter list within the next two weeks or so, uh, will be able to participate in that event. I'm cutting it off on the 11th of October. Ironically, that is our first ever episode we ever put out, and it is now a Thursday. So good for us. Glad the stars aligned in that way. Um, but if you subscribe to the newsletter on the 11th or any time afterward, um, you are on the, I, I guess that would be the 27th. I'll have more information as we approach it. Uh, and, and anybody put on afterward, um, yeah, you'll still be put on, but you won't be able to participate in the event. And you'll have to wait a whole another 12 months before we're able to do that. Uh, and I want you to be a part of it. We've had a couple, kind of a surge of people subscribe to it here as of late. Um, I know that the uh, Sean Stevenson episode raked in about three or four uh, additional newsletter subscribers. Um, we will, I'm th plan on changing the name of that, by the way, I think newsletter is just a lame name of it, but, um, yeah, as a, speaking of lame right now, uh, SIDcast t-shirts are available. You can go to cottonbureau.com slash product slash SIDcast. SIDcast is all, uh, lowercase by the way. Uh, you will learn the hard way and you'll get a 404 error if you try and do the uppercase SID and SID cast. Um, doesn't work that way, as I found out. Um, I, I totally thought there for a couple of days that my t-shirt wasn't there. And they kept emailing me that, yes, it is, yes, it is. And I realized, oh, it has to be very, very specific, um, which I guess is the case with any website or URL that you use. But that's where you can find that. Ring and reviewing, very important to be uh, noticed on the show, uh, get the show some credibility, uh, climb the ranks as far as um, your satisfaction. The iTunes algorithm works in such a weird kind of way that that just happens to work out. So wherever you get this podcast, you can do that. Um, and leaving a review, it just takes a couple seconds. I did it for Order a Man the other day. 
Um, literally took me two minutes. So I don't see why not, you know. But, again, you do you. Doesn't bother me a bit, uh, whether you give me a one or a five. I appreciate the fives, though. Those make me happy. But let's jump right into today's episode of episode number 93 of SID Cast with Zach Durlum of the Florida Gators and what it's like for him on uh, Florida Gators game day in Gainesville right here on SID Cast. It's a lot of fun. I mean, I I actually live um, uh, right now about a mile and a half down the road, a straight shot down University Ave from the stadium. So um, it's easier for me with the road closures before kickoff that I usually walk through um, kind of the it's area called Midtown, which is basically the collection of most of the um, college like bars, restaurants and whatnot. So. Uh, it's usually pretty interesting there walking through on a, on a game day, walking into work. But, uh, I enjoy that especially cause now we're running our social media, um, uh, operation, at least on game day for football. It helps me get, um, a feel of, you know, the vibe around the stadium and, and just how different it can be from game to game. So, uh, it's definitely a lot of fun walking through that area on game day, but, uh, I've never been able to actually, uh, partake in some of the, the crazier ones so I, uh, I, I probably not the best person to ask about that but it's a lot of fun walking in on game uh, let's talk a little bit before you even got to Florida before you even got to Grand Valley State uh, small d3 school why am I am I saying it right is it Albion or Albion Albion okay yeah. awesome so why did you, did you pick that school um, what kind of drew you to that area in the first place uh, well I, I lived about 20 minutes away in uh, town called, uh, I guess it's called Jackson. It's really, you know, Spring Arbor was technically my home, but there's a, you know, little tri area of, um, Spring Arbor, Jackson and Parma that are all kind of in the same area. Um, so I was only about 20 minutes away from campus. I, I had my choices narrowed down to central Michigan, um, Albion college or Michigan state. And I wasn't really convinced about Albion. Um, I, I wasn't sure if I wanted to go to a place that small, and I, I so I just went to the orientation anyway, just just in case it was an option, because um, I was looking to get into broadcasting, and Central was obviously uh, higher up in that regard. But um, so I went to the I can't remember if it was like orientation or something like that. I went, um, and just by happenstance, I bumped into um, their SID Bobby Lee, who I had cold called about three months earlier after. Um, my cousin kind of told me what, it, like, that you should look into being an SID, which I had no idea what it was at the time. I was, um, I just knew I wanted to write, I wanted to do broadcasting, and I was writing for Bleacher Report when it, it was basically Facebook for uh-huh. people who wanted to, you know, be sports writers. It was kind of the wild, wild west. Um, and so I ran into Bobby at the orientation, and I said, "Hey," I, I said, "I don't know. I'm thinking about coming here." Uh, you know, we talked on the phone a few months ago would there be any opportunities to, to work on campus? And he just said, send me an email with some stuff and I'll see what you, what you're interested in. I'll see what you can do. So I sent him that writing profile that I had at the time through Bleacher Report. And he took a look at that. I told him I wanted to do some broadcasting. I wanted to do some writing and he shot me back an email and says, look, you can do whatever you want. Like, uh, and so that kind of sold it for me that, um, 
Albertine was probably the best place for me to go in terms of figuring out what I wanted to do. So that was that's that's basically what went into that decision. Um, and I'm, you know, when I showed up to Albion, I got started right away with like a feature story, um, which I didn't even know what it was at the time. Yeah. Um, and I did some, you know, recaps from the golf, the golf team, and that grew. I did the uh, radio broadcast with a former, a former player uh, for three years there. I did every basketball, you know, webcast for about three years. I did some stack crew work at, at basketball when you know they didn't need a broadcast, and I did stack crew work at baseball and softball, and just did. I just did as much as I could that year and didn't really know what I was doing at the time. I was just doing it so I could write. I didn't really care about the stuff on the side at that point in time. But um, as the years progressed and I kind of made the determination as I got at it, as I'd done a lot of broadcasting, that while I was good at it, I enjoyed doing it, I knew that uh, my future probably wasn't in it. I mean, I just kind of had that realistic conversation with myself that, um, I'd seen the landscape and I just, it wasn't something I was going to make a living at. So I dedicated myself more to the stack crew stuff my senior year, uh, and kept, you know, kept writing. I, I developed a, at least a pretty good skill set in feature writing at that point in time. Um, and so those were the things I focused on so that I could really put myself in the best position for jobs coming out of Albion. You kind of did something a little bit different than what most high school seniors do, or anybody on the show has done. I know, I, hell, I didn't do it. Uh, you cold called somebody. You basically were scouting out for the best sports information spot that you could get. So your cousin told you about sports information. Uh, what did you think it was, and what made you cold call uh, Bobby in the beginning? Uh, well, I had no idea what it was. I mean, we were, you know, big Michigan. I mean, I grew up huge Michigan fan and we had season tickets for football and, uh, and basketball games. And so we were riding, you know, back one of those nights after one of the, these late games and, you know, he's kind of asking what I wanted to do. And I, I said, I don't really know. He's like, Oh, you should look into being an SID. And I said, what is that? And I don't even think he, he actually knew exactly uh-huh. what it was. Um, and he just said, yeah, you know, look at, look it up and look up some different schools and stuff. And, so the, how I found Bobby was uh, the Jackson Citizen Patriot was my local newspaper, and I, I noticed his name from a newspaper story that I had read about when Albion High School played my high school. He had written that game story, and so his name, when I was looking on the different schools' websites, because Albion was in the picture for me at that point in time, I remembered his name, and so I just gave him a call. He picked up the phone, and we kind of... I. And like I said, so that kind of stemmed from me wanting to be a writer when I saw someone's name in a newspaper and how he worked for the school. I was curious how all that worked. So that's initially how it started. Um, but, yeah, I gave him a call, and he, we talked for probably a half an hour. He answered all my questions. And then, yeah, just by happenstance at orientation, he's one of those people that was around escorting students and whatnot. And, yeah, it's it, it kind of just worked out. But, I yeah, and especially from everything that – I did it, Albion, uh, and I continue to say today that I I owe everything I have to to Bobby Lee and what and the freedom that he allowed me to operate with and the opportunities he gave me there. I I owe everything in my career to to that phone call and to mm-hmm. his willingness to to trust me to do a lot of things. So you pre- prepared yourself for life after college. What was 
it sounds like you, you really honed in some of your skills. You fine-tuned them a little bit to what most people nowadays are specialized in one or two things. It sounded like you kind of had a well-rounded experience. But uh, what was it like for you job searching? What was it like for you life at that time coming out of Aldi and looking for another job? Uh, probably not as easy as people think. Um, I mean, obviously, I've, um, I've had some really good fortune. I'll, I'll be the first person to admit that uh, for certain. Uh, but my jobs, my two job searches have been far from easy or stress-free, even with all, you know, that I was able to put on my resume. Um, I, I sent out starting from January of my senior year. So I've got about five months to graduation from January through about May. Uh, I, I couldn't tell you how many resumes and cover letters I'd sent out and Mm -hmm. I, I would change every cover letter and I would change my resume to what they have. And so I was, I mean, it was at one point where, uh, I mean, it was for a couple classes I had that were easier. That's what I did during class. I was altering resumes and cover letters and maintaining coursework at the same time and writing for a bleacher report. I was lucky enough that I was getting paid about 250 bucks a, um, 250 bucks like a month at that point in time, which wasn't much, but it was for four articles a week. So I was doing a lot. Um, and I didn't get a single, I had two interviews over the phone and didn't get second interviews for those jobs. And I, I, I didn't have anything on the table when I graduated. Um, but I, I had two weeks before had gotten a call from Tim Knott at Grand Valley State, and I thought it was just kind of something to set up an interview, but I realized about five minutes into that phone call that it was the interview. Uh, and we talked for about 40 minutes. It was kind of one of those weird things. I was just in a dorm, in my dorm, answered the phone, and a five-minute thing turned into what I thought would be a five-minute thing turned into my basically interview over the phone. Yeah. Uh, but I, I didn't hear anything back, and so I was it was kind of demoralizing at that point when I'm, I'm on my way home after graduation, and I've done all this work and the reality is looking like I'm going to have to live in my parents' basement until I find some jobs or I might not find a job in this. And so I really didn't know what I was going to do. You know, my perception at the time was if I can't get a job at this division two school in my own state, uh, what am I going to do? Like, am I going to find a job? And luckily about a, a couple days after graduation, um, Tim called me back and said they wanted me to come onto campus for interviews. So, um, I, I went over there and, you know, I was, I was amazed. I was in awe. I mean, I, I knew Grand Valley state from growing up, obviously in the Grand Rapids area when they were winning national championships and, uh, in football. And so I was in awe when I was being driven around campus and, and things like that. And he, yeah. I remember the silliest thing was that we were going over, you know, everything and the responsibilities. And he said something about game notes that, you know, you'll update. It'll get easier as you go on. And I asked him, I was like, what are game notes? I was like, I didn't have any idea where I didn't, I was, like I said, I, I had only done the writing part and stat part of this job up to that point. I didn't know anything else. Um, and, and he offered, he offered me the job in that room. And I was I guess I'm pretty fortunate because I heard, uh, down the line the following year when he asked somebody if, you know, I don't know if it was actually a true case or not, but he'd said, uh, if I ask somebody if they want the job and they, they kind of like say no, or they just say, I'll think about it and get back to you. 
then he didn't want to give him the job. But that's exactly what I did. I knew full well I was going to take the job. There was zero doubt in my mind I was going to take the job. But I tried to do the cool guy thing where I said, yeah, can I just take the night to think it over? Um, but I knew full well driving home after everything. I just wanted to make sure I wasn't making an emotional decision after kind of seeing the campus and seeing what they had to offer. Uh, but I knew that I wasn't. And I knew that it was the only opportunity I had and I was going to take it. So I, I didn't care. But um, that job didn't didn't pay much. I mean, it was a grad, technically a graduate assistantship, so I was supposed to do master's classes and I didn't want to just because uh, I didn't know how that would work time-wise and oh. I was never the band of school to begin with. So um, I, I just wanted to work, but it was only 800 bucks a month after taxes and I think my second year I got a promotion to 1000 bucks a month after taxes. No benefits or anything, so I mean it, it didn't pay very much, but I, I got to do uh, everything. I ran six different sports helped with football um the women's soccer team won consecutive national championships when i was there and i worked with two different coaches for those and i i really learned how to do the job there that was the biggest thing was they they turned me loose i didn't have anyone looking over my shoulder telling me how to do this a certain way or you know anything like that i was and i almost i really was looking back i wasn't ready for it i mean i didn't have any massive errors or anything uh-huh. but i didn't do the job my very first year as well as i did my second year or even how well i could do that now just because simply um although i had the experience i didn't know how to do the day-to-day job especially for when i showed up in the very first sport that i worked with was the soccer team that went 24-0 and won and went to and won the national championship i i wasn't I, I wasn't ready for that opportunity that I had in front of me and didn't realize how much how much stuff I not that I did so much wrong because I wouldn't say that it's just so many opportunities that I didn't really take advantage of because I didn't really know what I was working with or what I was doing at the time yeah and this I've heard this a couple times and even with my bosses when we were looking for an LGA um, offering the job and then somebody says well well I had to think about it my bosses thought that that kind of came off as, you know, maybe he didn't want it. So, and I'm kind of the same way. It's hard to make those emotional split-second decisions, and I feel that you might be a little bit pressured in the moment. But have you heard um, maybe different ways that people, if they're offered, like, in that moment uh, to kind of collect your thoughts and not make that, not make that decision so irrationally like that? Um. No, because I mean, it was it was different when I got the job offer at Florida. It was very different um, for my internship here. Uh, you know, when I called when I called Dan Apple back, who hired me, um, he said we're going to offer you the position, uh, and I said, yeah, I'll take it. And he said, um, you don't want to, you know, you don't need to answer now. You can take some time to think it over. Uh, and I said, Dan, I said I'll be. I'll be, I said, I'll be completely honest. I didn't have any other interviews for jobs. So, and I've done my research and, and called other people that had this position. I can survive and when I'm going to get paid, uh, I'm in, I don't need to think about it. I've done the research. I've done the, I've done all the processing. I don't have any other offers. So I'm, I'm taking this job right now. <laughs> <laughs> so it's probably on a person by person basis. 
So that yeah, kinda, that, everything's different. Every I'm sure every university is is different. Every uh, I guess high, higher uh, probably looks at things or judges things and or goes about things in a different way. Let's before we jump to that Florida position, let's talk a little bit about maybe some differences. You you mentioned that the game note stuff didn't know what that was when you got to Grand Valley, but what were some other differences that you had to do from Albion now that you were at Grand Valley State? Uh, I mean that was the the biggest thing, just because I, uh, you know the the game notes stuff because Grand Valley. I mean they had digital broadcasts, and uh, so you know learning how to work with you know digital broadcast crew and um i just just learning how to efficiently use your time in an office setting for uh however many hours a week that you're in there i would say that was the thing i had to learn i mean i made the mistake my my first year i still kept my contract with bleacher report to continue to do you know michigan football and michigan basketball work and looking back on it that was a mistake i mean that that ate up a lot of time um and while i was working with a really good soccer team and i mean fortunately when i called them and i think it was april after the basketball season had ended uh i said hey i i I can't i can't renew and can i get out of these last couple months like i just can't do it with the job that i have now um so looking back on it i would i would do that differently a little bit Mm -hmm. uh but that was the biggest thing was just you know notes and 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 the day-to-day thing, but fortunately, I, ha- I had some people around me that, that really showed me the important stuff. Um, I mean, DJ Foster at, at Grand Valley was was a, a numbers nerd, um, and so I really adopted that that quality from him, and I got really invested in my game notes, especially with how dominant the women's soccer program was. Um, that was my space to really try and like find some interesting stats and the record books were not done, you know, uh, too like detailed. So, I mean, I went and I revamped those. I found a bunch of old records over, uh, the summer. I spent an entire summer kind of doing that and finding a lot of numbers and making a really good media guide, making some really good game notes because, and I felt like I was, that was good that, I adopted that quality from DJ and put a lot of time into those game notes and media guides and things because I knew that those were going to, that was going to be something I could send out when I was applying for jobs in two years time. And it was just something that I was, I was interested in and I was good at because, um, I'd been on the broadcasting side. So I knew what stuff to put in there because I knew what they'd be. I knew what would be important. I knew what would be cool. You know, I just kind of, it was it was good. So I would just say everything related to day to day stuff, um, even at that level, working with the different departments um, was, you know, do that as much as you do at a big school like Florida. But I still had to learn how to do that. Whereas before I was just doing, you know, for higher work, essentially for for Bobby and Albie and I was now in a position where I had to work with people in different departments, uh, you know, for game days to make sure I did all the things because I had to do in addition to doing the stats and um, and for baseball one eventually running social media, I had to do the PA for mm-hmm. soccer and baseball and, and you know, lacrosse. I had to do, you know, all that stuff simultaneously. So uh, I was, I was not as prepared. I wouldn't, I was, I was able to do them because of the experiences I'd had doing different things. I guess I didn't realize that I was prepared at the time. I just needed some confidence in myself 
and an ability to develop the ability to kind of think outside the box and think of some creative ways to do things, I think, were what I was missing at that point in time. Okay, awesome. Well, the, my next question is a sort of same phrasing as, as from earlier. Life like at the time when you... Yeah, yeah. Um, it was it was stressful again. I mean, it was kind of, you know, once the... I, think, I remember the very first one I applied for. Uh, it was in December of my second year. Um, so I applied for this Alabama baseball. It was the Alabama full-time baseball SID job. And I remember applying for it thinking like, yep, I'm pretty much a long shot, but whatever, I'll throw my name in. So that was the first one. But then from then on till about April, I was doing, I couldn't tell you how many I did. Um, and like this was again, I thought I had done a lot. I thought I had done enough to get a look as an assistant director. I, I just knew that uh, I didn't have my sights on the division specifically or anything like that. I just knew I wanted to take uh, a step forward in my career. I didn't want to go sideways. I didn't want to go down to a division three school again. I liked the division two aspect, so I would have been comfortable staying there. I just needed a, whether it be in title or in division, I needed to take a forward step. That was the only thing I was looking for. And I thought I had set myself up to do that. But again, I didn't have, I didn't get any interviews. I didn't, I didn't get any of that. And I was, I was stunned again. I thought I had done all this stuff and I was getting worried. And luckily in February, um, Florida had three internships open up. And fortunately my boss, Tim Knott had interned at Florida 20, 20 something years ago and the people that he worked with at florida are the heads of our department steve McLean and, and mary howard and so he shot a note down to them when i applied he had, he told me to send a couple individualized packets of my like best work down to the two of them for them to look at um and i think the, the interview process of them started in in march and like i said dragged out through about uh through about april but I mean, that entire time it was, it was stressful because I was faced with reality again, that maybe this is not going to work out and uh, maybe I'm going to wind up in my parents' basement again. I don't know. It was, <laughs> it, it was far from, far from stress-free for even as much work as I put on my resume, which um, at the time was frustrating, but I would, I would say everything, taking the long view now, everything has worked out and I wouldn't change how anything happened. Yeah. Awesome. <clears throat> Sorry, went down the wrong pipe. Um, now that you're at Florida, I found your name, and I'll mention this in the intro a little bit. I found you via the USTF CCCA that long acronym uh, Excellence Communication Award, um, and you were for your work with track and field, obviously. For for those that don't know, what for those that maybe cover a lot of sports or maybe have just a select few sports, because our listener base has a wide range of those sorts of people, um, finding good being good at the niche sport, being good at finding the sport that you enjoy covering. Um, do you have any tips there uh, as, as far as how to market those teams, maybe that are lesser known, like track and field? Uh, I mean, it, it varies by division and, and by your program. Um, like I said, with was when I was at Grand Valley working with soccer, the um, social media stuff wasn't there. Mm-hmm. Um now you could probably, with a championship-winning program like that, you could you could probably get some traction on social media. Um, same thing when I 
working with golf. I really I played golf in high school. I was a caddy for a long time. Golf's really so when I got to work with golf at Grand Valley State, I really um, you know, I loved golf stat and dig, digging into all that stuff. But we got to host the Division Two National Championship. I did the work on the media side for for that men's championship, and that was that was fun. I really embraced that kind of stuff. So um, I know that. Uh, I mean, you're not going to like every sport. You're not, you know, especially those people at Division Two, smaller schools that work with a lot of sports. You're not going to like all of them, point blank. I mean, I, you know, nothing against any women's lacrosse players out there, but I, I did, I did not just from a, a fan, I guess, point of view, or even an operational point of view from the stack crew stuff. I did not enjoy women's lacrosse. <laughs> I don't, I don't mean to slight that sport in any way. It was uh-huh. just for my personal preference. I, I, I did not want to, to work that, but at this, but that doesn't mean I didn't, um, that I didn't try or that I didn't put any effort into, I gave them as much effort, uh, as any of my other sports. It's just that you've got to, um, try and embrace it as much as you can. And, uh, but with track and field, I, I hadn't worked with track and field at all. When I came to Florida, I found out about a month before I showed up that I would be assigned to track and field. So, uh, I went down and asked. Uh, Jerry Baltus at Grand Valley State, their track coach. I said, what do I need to know? Like, what are some resources that are going to help me? Um, and so I, I kind of prepared myself loosely for that. Uh, but it, it was just a learning curve. I mean, I, I learned fast my first year, whether it be from the coaching staff, which I'm incredible th- incredibly thankful for, uh, or just taking the time to, to look up some things or, and, or even just going through it that first year. You're going to learn a lot through experience, but um, the ways that I found within track to market was that Twitter, they had a really good Twitter following, a really, um, that it was kind of an untapped audience, I felt like, from what they, from the previous stuff that had been put out. Um, And then my feature writing was a great asset there because there were so many great, unique stories on this track team that had you know, Olympians and, you know, kids that had overcome so many different things, whether it be in their personal lives or, you know, physically or the great story. I mean, heck, the great story um, the first year that I was here was this was a program that when I, you know, I they, they'd won uh, four national championships since 2005 uh, from 2010 to 2013. Um, and I showed up and I thought I had cursed the team because I showed up, you know, our women were were one of the top teams in the country going to Nancy indoors and they finished 13th. Uh, the men finished like seventh. It was their worst uh, finish at a national championship meet in about 20 years. And I remembered like being there in the building and watching everything kind of fall apart and seeing everybody's reaction afterwards. It was, uh, it was pretty devastating. And then, uh, they didn't do well at SEC outdoors, and uh, uh, it was it was kind of difficult to watch because I I hadn't really ex- you know experienced that yet. Being fortunate enough to work with the successful teams at Grand Valley, uh, but then they won that they went to NC Outdoors and they won the national championship. The men did, and so that was one of the greatest stories where everybody really put it together at the right time, and that very much embodied the program. And so that was a great story that I was able to capitalize on um, 
just with the assets that I I had per, accrued personally and built personally through my feature writing, and then just through knowing the team. Um, so that's that's the biggest thing is is even if you have one of those niche sports, there's always going to be stories to tell. So even if you don't like the day to day stuff, or there's not much of a social media following, or there's not much of um, that you need to do in the way of notes or things like that, then try and get to know the kids on these teams because they all have stories. And a lot of times those are the kids that, uh, whether it's due to availability or, um, just the difference in, in sport, they have some of the best stories that you'll find. Some of the, the best stories I would say, I would argue that since I've been here in Florida have not come from, uh, football players or basketball players. It's come from the swimmers and the track athletes, mm-hmm. and even, um, even some of the, you know, the, the softball you know girls it's just that those stories are are great and those will always appeal to people at least in my opinion because of the human the human interest the human aspect of things rather than just statistical information that you can crank out in notes or you know photos you can fire off on twitter that stuff's always going to resonate so i guess if if you're looking for the biggest things for niche sports i know i kind of rambled there it's no you're just, fine know what your audience likes if there's something you can take advantage of like social media figure out the best way to do that you know find someone who can interpret numbers for you and and kind of build around that um and then find a way to tell stories and some of this stuff it's gonna you might not get much action at first you know the our, our twitter numbers my first year looked pretty much even though we we're doing some different things they pretty much looked the same as they did a couple years before, but where they are now after a couple more years of kind of revamping that approach and, and tailoring it a little bit more and, and paring down some of the things that you realize didn't really hit as much. Uh, the engagement's great. It's through the roof. Those numbers are great. And I think that there's a pretty well-established audience now, um, even as small as it is, uh, there's a pretty good audience. I, I feel really great about the work that, um, that we have done, and I say that we, and I mean that wholeheartedly, that the various people I've worked with in my department and myself have been able to do with that account. You mentioned getting to know the athletes, and, and this question is coming from a guy that is going to attend uh, cross-country practice at 5.30 a.m. on Friday, this coming Friday, just to, just to be there, you know. Um, what are some strategies and maybe some things that you did just to kind of introduce yourselves to the guys? Maybe in the beginning, I know now people probably know who you are, but maybe the freshmen don't. What are some things that you did to kind of just introduce yourself and maybe get those stories from them? Um, that's also something that's different at every level. Um, I mean, like I said, with the, with the women's soccer team at Grand Valley, I I was very much like day to day until I was actually got to travel to, you know, the final four. I got to travel with them. Um, and that's, that's always the best time that I've found is, you know, when you're traveling with the team, you get to see what they're like. You get to see who interacts with who, what they're doing. Um, you know, what, you know, who's, who's playing cards in the lobby at eight o'clock at night, you know, who's, who's doing what, you know, and you see them at the track for practices or, you know, this at the pitch for practices, you know, who's, you know, who's the, who's the, who's the goofy one, you know, what jokes are they making? What are they talking about? That's, that's where I got a lot of that stuff from. Um, 
for the people that don't travel, then yeah, I would, I would just maybe just ask your coaches. Uh, I mean, they know of some stuff. Um, even, even if it's maybe, uh, there's a good strategy I had that someone had offered to me. And obviously it's probably not as realistic for track now because there's so many kids. Um, but sit down with your kids for interviews. I was going to do that with volleyball this year until I, um, slid over to football it was uh, you know sit down with the, the kids and, and make it like a, a preseason interview sort of thing you don't have to record it just sit down with it and just try and get just you know introduce yourself with who you are and just try and get to know them and just ask them some different questions you know about their story or where you know um you know what their hometown's like you know the things they used to do there what the what they would do if they weren't playing volleyball or if they were good at another sport that that's something that people don't realize a lot of times too is a lot of these kids were great at something other than the sport they ultimately chose to play at, uh, to play in college. So uh, I would say that those are the things that you can do um, is ask your coaches, and there obviously has to be some worthwhile um, athletic achievements to, you know, to promote someone unless it's like a really you know unique human interest story. Um, but that doesn't always need to be the focus of the story. That's what I've, that's what I have learned to try to tell people over everything is you're going to write about someone because they're athletically, athletically successful and they're contributing to team success or whatever, but that's not what you need to write about. You need to write about their story and the human side of things as opposed to what they're doing on the field. That's fair. Um, I'd like to transition this part of the interview where I like to ask some fun questions. First one I have for you, Zach, is uh, what's your favorite memory in your professional tenure? Oh, gosh. Um, I mean, it's, it's, it's almost unfair for me to pick one. And, I'm, but I, I, and again, in saying this, I realize how fortunate uh, and lucky I have been because I've been a part of a national championship for all five years as a full-time SID and um, there's a there's a good chance knock on wood that uh, there's probably another one this year um, I don't I, I, I mean I would probably say the greatest memory I ever had and really a, there's two I can't I can't pick one I that's have to fair. Pick okay two. that's fine um, moments where even when we're supposed to be completely unbiased in these jobs and it's we're not supposed to be fans there are a hundred percent two moments where I was definitely just giddy and became a fan again. And that was the second year, um, at grand Valley, the women's soccer team were in Louisville in the national semifinal. And this girl who was our goalkeeper, Andrea Strauss, she had joined the team the year before as just someone who had played, it was like with the, the club team, the club soccer team. And she joined the team because it needed some depth at goalkeeper. And so she wound up being a starter the second year because the, the goalie from the year before graduated. Um, and, and early in the year, they lost a match at Minnesota State, and she gave up this goal on a breakaway where she came out and she she just slid the wrong way. And so the, you know, the girl was able to dribble on by and, and – score the winning goal in that match well it's in overtime of the national semifinal against st rose and you have this girl from st rose who's a fifth year senior scored like a hundred something goals and you've got the same scenario again there's a missed ball in the back line and you've got this goal scorer one-on-one against 
this girl who a year ago was literally on the club soccer team. And Andrea came out and made an incredible sliding save. And then it went to double overtime. And, and in the shootout, she stopped all three balls. The first three, we scored all three, and she stopped all three. No one, in talking to everyone after the game, no one said that they had seen, and they'd, they'd never seen anyone stop three shots. Mm-hmm. They, they had never seen anyone stop three shots in a shootout before. And they everyone was going nuts. And so that was incredible. And, I, and they went on to beat Rollins 3 nothing the next day to win the championship. But that was one of the most incredible moments and something that I'll never forget. Um, and then the second one was here. Uh, Eric Futch was, he was one of my favorite people to come through the program. Um, he won the national championship the year before as a junior. And so this is a senior year and our team is trying to repeat as team champions. And Eric is someone who he went through a lot in his personal life. Um, lost a lot of people close to him he uh he he finished second at the sec championship a couple weeks before and so a lot of people uh, were really doubting if he could repeat as a champion and he was really crucial to our team winning and we needed him to score we needed him to score 10 points uh to win that meet and uh, i mean it was it was incredible to see because it was a photo finish um, and there was a, there was a long, like five second delay, I think, in waiting to see as he and another uh, guy from UCLA, uh, finished right at the line together. And all of a sudden it flashed up on the board that he won by like a hundredth of a second and he just went absolutely nuts. Um, and so that's, that's something that, uh, you know, the reaction that he had, those photos that we got from that are still some of the best photos I've seen. Um, and that was the big part of winning, um, winning that national championship again that year. So the, those were, those were probably the two, the two biggest ones for me, the stuff that I, I I'm never going to forget. What about on the other side of the coin? What's your biggest horror story? Um, gosh, I mean, I don't, I don't think of that stuff well off the top of my head. Okay. I know. I mean, it's, it's probably related to something, uh, you know, with the stack computer going down in the middle of a game. Um, I don't know. I would say probably the first the horror story or just something I look back on is just like, wow, that was incredibly bad or just was, it's like, what was I even thinking? Uh, was the first time I had to do public address. I didn't, I didn't know. No one told me I had to do it. I'd showed up for my first game day at Grand Valley and the microphone is there, and they're like, oh, yeah, you do the public address stuff, too. And I was like, oh, well, no one's told me about this. <laughs> really finding out 20 minutes before the game that I have to do all the announcements and read the script and everything. Um, so immediately I reverted to this, because this is one of the things that Bobby Lee at Albion was incredible at. Um, you know, he had these, you know, he would say people's names so uniquely, and, he's, you know, it was... It was inc- so I tried to immediately do my best like Bobby Lee impression, <laughs> and it was terrible. It was awful. Um, it was it was terrible. I, I'll I'll just I'll never forget how bad it was. Um, and I, I mean, eventually I got more. It was like anything else. It was like broadcasting. I got more comfortable, and you know, I was I embraced doing it. But yeah, the first time I had to do that, uh, even the first probably five times, it was it was pretty terrible. 
what's one piece of advice you give to a student going into this profession? Do as much work as you can. And when I say as much as as many different aspects as you can, you know, uh, um, it's, it's different here at Florida than it's going to be at smaller schools. Um, here at Florida, we've got almost too many students reaching out to me to try and, uh, do work. And I just have to tell them, I, I just, I don't have anything right now. I've got a full game day staff and there's not much to do in the office here, but given the size of our office. So, um, if you have opportunities at different schools, uh, take them. Or even if it's at a big school like this and they're going to tell you, Hey, you're just going to do participation and maybe some quotes after the game, do that stuff because, and when you're doing that stuff, pay attention to what's going on around you. If that's what you're stuck doing, if you're at a bigger school and you're only doing a little bit of work, definitely just pay attention to what's going on around you so that, you know, you can maybe ask the full-time person that you work for questions about that stuff during the week or, or so that if someone is gone and there's an opportunity for you to move up within the student staff, that you're ready to do those things. Or even if there's, you know, a variety, there could be a variety of reasons why you could be put in a position to do something that you haven't done before in on a game day while the game's going on. And if you're ready to do that, it turns out pretty well. I mean, that's, that was something where, um, Luckily, when I was, you know, at Grand Valley and luckily through my time here, I worked with volleyball a little bit. I did volleyball stats. So my second intern year, um, the volleyball, uh, the, the intern that did volleyball the year before this, the stat inputting, not full time volleyball. Oh, yeah. She was gone. And so that spot was open. And so I said, OK, I'll, I said I went to the volleyball. I said, yes. Yeah. Hey, I'd like to do that. I know how to do it. Um, I would. I would like to take on that responsibility. And she said, okay. So I did that. And then in the middle of October of, of that year, she took a job at the hospital in town. And so they needed, now they needed a volleyball SID in the middle of a season. And had I not worked with volleyball at all, had I not done anything, I wouldn't have been prepared for that. So, um, luckily I'd set myself up and was prepared and, you know, that's how I have the full-time job I do now because when they needed someone to do something that they didn't have anybody on staff that could do, I had branched out enough to set myself up to be in that position and that I didn't know was going to happen, but it happened and I was able to step in, execute that role, and that wound up with me advancing my career again. So I would just say you, you never know what these things are going to be, but, but if you diversify your skill set and do as much as you can uh even if it's small roles that will set you up for opportunities when they do arise awesome uh in your mind what characteristics or traits make a good sid I, I, again i just i just go back to being well-rounded um but but the biggest thing is to be a good sid you have to know how to find stories and how to tell those stories. Um, I learned this a lot, especially working with volleyball last year. We had a great, unique bunch of kids last year. I mean, we had a girl from Michigan who, um, you know, was very free spirited, 
girl and you know loved to read and i didn't find out till we interviewed each other i interviewed her that uh she would read four or five books at a time because she didn't want to finish a good book that was like her rationale was she and you know she read everything from you know she, she we had her so we had her do this segment where she came in with her backpack packed full of books that she would take on the road and she would you know she took them out of her backpack and explained why she had each one and um it, as if that wasn't interesting enough she was someone who had like changed her major three times and settled on international studies africa as a senior so to go to that program she had to learn swahili basically in one summer in this like eight week program uh-huh. And so we, I would, that would always be one of the first things I told to TV crews when they'd ask about, you know, what do you, what kind of stuff do you have? I said, I've got, we've got a three time all American outside hitter who learned Swahili in the summer because she changed her major for a third time to international studies Africa. And she wants to help empower women and help refugees. Like that was, that was great for them. And by the end of the year, I mean, we had used it to its fullest extent, but that was when you know, we had another story on the team of, you know, the, um, you know, a four-year-old American who had lost her father at an early age. And so she had to I don't, really help her mother kind of run the house for her sisters and, you know, in Metro Washington, DC, and she had to take care of herself and get herself to school. And she was someone who was, uh, a great basketball player coming out of high school and was really kind of a terrible volleyball player and like early in her high school career. But, she was just so big and athletic that once she learned the game, she was really good. And so TV crews loved talking about that stuff and, you know, just finding unique stories, uh, from your athletes and knowing how to tell them through the mediums that you have. And I'd say that because everybody's medium is different. Um, we, I, it's, it's been very difficult for me to sell those kind of stories from track and field to our local newspapers. It's just something that they just don't have. They don't have the time. They don't have the resources for, um, but that may be different for somebody else. Somebody may be able to pitch those stories and they don't have to write them. But for me, it was a realization that if these stories that I have are going to be told, I have to do that. I have to rely on my future writing to do that. I can't just give them, um, you know, to a newspaper or pitch them or expect it's going to be done. If I want it done, I have to do it. That was very different with volleyball where I was able to give stuff to TV. I didn't have to write that unless it was something really specific and unique. Um, at Grand Valley, I was able to pitch some of those stories. You know, I still wrote a lot there, but I was able to give everyone every now and again um, to our to our local papers. And, and so it's, it's obviously, it's different. It's going to be different for everyone. Um, so there's no hard and firm answer there, but I would say the best thing is that you have a well-rounded skill set and that you have the ability to seek out, discover, and tell stories of your student athletes through the mediums that you have. Real quick, what's one thing you're interested in to learn more about in this profession? Um, I would, I mean, social media is always changing so much, so, um, I, I always looked at um, the summers to, as when I would try and develop some new skills. The last couple of years, I haven't had the opportunity to do that as much. And I've, I've been um, – so I, I really want to get into um, learning how to work with video. At least I have a basic knowledge of video editing, but not 
you know, to what I would need to do for some higher quality stuff. Uh, so I want to learn that. I want to learn After Effects a little bit. I want to get better with um, with Photoshop and some different things. But I, I got to take it one thing at a time. So that's what I'm looking at now. Is is kind of the from a content perspective, since so, that's so much of the job here. Um, I want to be able to be more self-sustaining uh, or self-sufficient. I think is the right word for that. Um, rather than having to utilize resources that uh, are usually tough to come by for an Olympic sport. Uh, I lost my question. No, no, I didn't. Um, work-life balance. What do you do to have fun? Uh, I travel a lot. Um, you know, there's there's people here that uh, are not even just here, but there's people everywhere. I guess you work in schools. You work with the people that go to like every event on campus, and that's not me. I mean, if it's if it's not track, if it's not football, if it's not my if it's not my sport that I'm working, I'm usually not there, man. I just I, I don't want to be you know a fan, and that's the same. That was true even at Grand Valley. I mean, it's not that I don't like all those other teams. It's just that I, you know, I'll get my, my email with the recap after the game, and I'll keep up that way. I'll keep my tabs in the team, but I'm not I'm not going to the events. I mean, I, I when I'm when I'm away from work, when I'm away from my events, I'm away from sports. Unless it's, you know, the Lions or, you know, Michigan football or basketball, um, I'm away from sports. I try and, and check out um, as, as much as I can. And so, um, you know, I like to travel a lot. I go to the movies quite a bit. Um, I've got a Nintendo 64, and <laughs> I just... You know, I, I, I try and just do as little as I can when I'm away from work, unless I'm traveling. Yeah, that's fair. Awesome. Um, next time someone's in Gainesville, what's your restaurant or bar recommendation? Uh, well, I know Lane said Satchel's. Um, so, I mean, Gainesville, it's kind of tough from that point of view. Um, I would... I would probably recommend uh, Boca Fiesta is a good Mexican restaurant. They've got some solid food uh, and some good margaritas. And that's a good little place to um, to hang out for a little bit. If anybody wanted to get in touch with you, maybe they want to follow up with you after this, what would be the best way to do it? Uh, you can always shoot me an email. Uh, and I mean that genuinely. I mean, I check my email um, usually at the end of every day. Uh, and if you reach out to, uh, with an email to me, uh, and you want to set up a phone call or something like that, I'm always more than happy to, to talk, but e- email is usually the best first mode of communication. Awesome. Cool. So, uh, Zach, I want to thank you very much for coming on. I really do appreciate it. And no problem. Thanks for having me. Well, guys, there you have it. I appreciate you all listening. Episode number 94 next week will feature uh, Rickson Lane from the Lander Bearcats. And actually the next two guests that we have, Rickson and then uh, the woman we got coming up after Rickson, um, all just went through Hurricane Florence. So uh, speaking of which, we all hope that every SID or anybody in, in particular in the Carolinas, in Virginia, Georgia, uh, that eastern seaboard area, hope that you're safe. Hope that everything's all right. If you ever need anything from me or anybody, uh, just let us know. 
and that's why I like this profession is because everybody's in hit to help everybody. Uh, I haven't met an SID yet, 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 knock on wood, um, that has gone out of their way to put you down or put you in a bad situation. So just let anybody know, just ask. Um, but yeah, Rickson's coming up next. Uh, as far as next Thursday, like I said, next two weeks need to be a part of our newsletter. And then after the 27th, those newsletter subscribers will be in the events and they will be voting while you will be sitting at home having absolutely no say whatsoever in what's going on. I'll give you guys um, more information next Thursday at Rickson's episode release. So um, to just to reiterate, we got SIDcast t-shirts at cottonbureau.com slash products slash SIDcast. That's all lowercase SIDcast. Don't put SID uppercase because it'll take you to the wrong page. Um and then rating reviewing wherever you get this podcast. Extremely important. Algorithm, whatever it means. Uh, let us know what you think of the show. And you can always email me anytime, sportsinfocast at gmail.com. Follow us on social media at sportsinfocast. Guys, I want to thank you all for listening. Hope to catch you all in the next episode.